0: Hi, I'm Ursula Levesque, and this is FinOpsPod.
1: Hi, this is Stacey Case.
2: And I'm Joe Daly, and this is FinOps Pod.
1: It is FinOps Pod. Hey, you know what I just realized, Joe? Both of us mm-hmm. recently took a vacation. <laughs> I and, know. This feels so rusty. <laughs> I I know. So, dear listeners, if this is hard to listen to, I'm sorry. Joe and I just got back from vacation. Our brains aren't working 100%.
2: Yeah. If it's hard to listen to, it's because it's hard to talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's a difficult Where d- thing. Where did you go on vacation?
1: I went and saw friends and family. So, I made a trip out to San Diego first and stayed down there for a few days. And then with some friends, and then I went to Central Oregon, visited family for a while, and came back.
2: We went to Northern Michigan mm. and, and stayed in a small cottage near Lake Michigan, the Caribbean of the Great Lakes region.
1: The Caribbean? Does that yeah. mean because it's like gorgeous crystal blue waters? Most of the time. Or it's just because it's, there's a touristy place up there and there's water?
2: No, it's, it's beautiful. You wouldn't believe you're in Michigan or in the Midwest still. Mm. It's lovely.
1: Trees? Hold on. Are there palm trees?
2: They're pine trees.
1: Oh, very close. Starts with a P. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Very close. They're (laughs) trees and they start with P. Small differences. But yeah, before I left, I'd recorded an interview with my old team at Nationwide.
1: Your old team. So these are the people that worked with you at Nationwide prior. Obviously, now you're at the FinOps Foundation, right. but this is the team you work with?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it's a long story here, and, and stick with us, folks, because this is the context you need for this interview. Is I got into FinOps, I don't know, 2016 timeframe. It wasn't called FinOps. We called it cloud optimization, and this was at Cardinal Health. So I built a team out there, learned a lot of FinOps practices the hard way by doing them and failing and succeeding at different things. Then got an opportunity to build another FinOps team at Nationwide. So I left Cardinal Health and went to Nationwide. Then after I did that for three years, had a lot of great success there. Well, I ended up hiring a lot of the same people on my team from Cardinal Health. They're great people. I love working with them. And then I left Nationwide and came to the FinOps Foundation. So the interesting part of this is that both at Cardinal Health and at Nationwide, they replaced me with the exact same person. Her name's Ursula Levesque.
1: I I love this so much because now I know if we need to ever get rid of you, we already have someone on deck that can replace you. There's already
2: (laughs) someone in line. Yeah. Ursula is experienced. She knows what I leave behind. And also the other great thing is that team at Nationwide is used to me quitting on them by now
1: that sounds horrible they're used to me quitting on them yeah i've done yeah. it twice now okay well don't quit on us because we like you at the foundation a lot
2: i'll tell you what i'd never quit on these listeners
1: oh i <laughs> may have thrown up in my mouth a little bit there. <laughs>
2: it's pretty funny
1: it's a funny line
2: so one of the things i went back to them because ursula and i have different skill sets i'm really good at building things but I don't like operationalizing them. I don't like any of that. Ursula is great at maturing processes and establishing operations. You get to a certain point where you're done building and you need to operate and scale and grow. And so that's so, not my strong suit. So I went to go learn how they did it.
1: And that's what I was going to ask is, he sounds like two people that you know very well, one mm-hmm. that you've worked with, one that's picked up your mess in the past, so to Mm -hmm. speak, but is this conversation, a conversation about your shared experiences through these two companies, or is this a conversation that goes a little bit deeper into building teams or building up processes?
2: You know, actually, it's funny because I started this interview with the idea of that shared experience between the two companies, but it very naturally went into the, okay, we've established a FinOps culture at this company. What's next? Mm -hmm. FinOps is adopted. How do you mature it? Which is very pleasing because we just had FinOps X. There's so many people who are just learning how to implement FinOps into their organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to be a really good episode to see what the roadmap looks like. And at the very end, we find out who Julia prefers working for, Ursula or Joe Daly.
1: Well, I mean, that's not fair. She currently works with one of them. (laughs) Side note, not you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I
2: only had to edit the audio just a minor bit, so Mm. it's fine. Oh,
1: so it's authentic is what you're telling me?
2: There's no deep fake voices used.
1: Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to it.
2: How would you like to introduce yourself?
0: My name is Ursula Levesque. I lead cloud optimization services at Nationwide. This is my second gig following Joe Daly in these positions. And here we are today.
2: Yes, Ursula is the professional Joe Daly mess cleaner-upper. We have both worked at two Fortune 100 FinOps teams. I start them, I create giant messes and then Ursula comes cleans it up and operationalizes everything. Uh and then also on the call we have Julia Harvey. Julia, would you like to say hi?
3: Hello. Joe somehow always talks me into joining him along these journeys and I can't thank him enough for it because even though it didn't sound like my wheelhouse, it has really become my wheelhouse. And I've followed him everywhere he's gone except for FinOps Foundation.
2: Well, that and that's a really nice thing that you said. Julia was one of my first hires at Cardinal Health. We had a lot of good folks on that team. Jay Reed, April Steve, you know, others joined us along the way, Matt Rui and Alex Yannick. And then I moved to Nationwide. Ursula backfilled me at Cardinal Health, cleaned up everything I did wrong there. Nationwide, I did things a little bit more right. Cause I learned what not to do. And then after a while, stole Julia and Jay and rebuilt the team again. And then again, I left and again, Ursula is helping transition the team from a build state to a run state. So we were just chatting before we were recording about how you've gone from operational state, because Julia talk about how I was as an operations (laughs) leader. It's not my strong suit. I will say out loud.
3: Detail is probably not your biggest strong point so joe is great at i call the joe show so he does definitely bring people (laughs) along and we did a great job of getting the buy-in on FinOps at both cardinal and at nationwide and i think you take big sweeping brush strokes so it was a let's be all well-rounded individuals and these are all the things that we need to do and i think the difference as we matured our cloud journey it both locations was once we get through that broad brush strokes we need to focus on levels of expertise in areas obviously with cloud things change very quickly and in that's one of the things that i love about cloud and the fact that you kind of pulled me into this is i never get bored because there's always something new to learn but i also feel like there's sometimes too much to learn what ursula has crafted for us is We call them pillars we know we need that hub and spoke model we know that we need to be able to push out finops to the teams that are actually doing the cloud work but we also need to keep eyes on it at an enterprise level so we need areas of expertise for each of us so she set it up so that each of us has a lane or a pillar of expertise while still building that you know well-rounded finops organization so you come in with the in that build state of getting everyone on board, making sure that they all understand what FinOps is and why we need it when along with this cloud journey. And then in the operational piece, now that we've got everyone on board, now we need to teach them to fish. We need to have areas of expertise so that folks can continue to grow and iterate and find their expertise. Would you agree, Ursula?
2: Yeah, what's your assessment on that? You took this nationwide role already knowing what it was gonna be like, (laughs) because you've seen the wreckage of my teams after I left in the past. So how did you assess that and develop a, here's how we grow path?
0: The way that I assessed it was, I think what you do, Joe, is so necessary. And so instead of looking at it, we're jokingly calling it a mess. It's actually such a critical (laughs) step in building the foundation. It is the first step. And getting buy-in, finding your champions, really getting the word out there and educating is so important and the common pieces between that step and that level and operationalizing is that both of us um, still have that view of the north star so what is Vinops and what does it mean to the organization so i think we have a very similar vision and really understanding that there are maturity levels to this and you're not going to hit it all at once. And so what I knew that we needed to do was align our maturity model with the cloud operations as a whole and where the company is and really continue that education. You know, you're not going to get your maximum benefits if as an application team or an infrastructure team, you haven't done the steps to mature your own processes. So this approach that we have is our own cloud optimization as a product maturity, Mm -hmm. but it aligns right up with cloud operations maturity. And so that future North star of DevOps and continuous improvement and, you know, working towards container and serverless, there are steps in the FinOps journey that are stair-stepping it as well. What you came in and did first was so critical. And I always laugh because I say, Joe seems like he's so laid back and you know he brings that personality but you knew exactly what you were doing. We pick up on that and we operationalize and we have a very scientific roadmap and steps to do that but it's all very strategic so it's not getting lost in that tactical and always having that north star.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah well you guys are saying nice things about me, <laughs> um, don't get used to it. <laughs> you could say mean things too. I'll, I'll, <laughs> edit them out. I think I'm just at first to the tactical, you know, I grew up in accounting and finance and tax, and it's just a lot of fill out this form, do this journal entry post it each month. And so I'm just, you know, I did my time with that. So I enjoy the, the big, yeah, here's the North star let's go March there. We had a lot of people on the team dusty bowling david lambert audrey ratliff and i just say go to that destination and you know just go to that destination i wasn't so worried about the how you go to that destination because you're in build mode you know you got to get to where you're going but you do get to that point like you're saying you're slow you have to align with the operations around you because you can only go as fast as your slowest operation
0: And we think of this as our own product. We want to be advocates and um, set an example for what we're asking our application teams to do. So we don't want to do manual processes in the FinOps space. We want to use automation. We want to be scalable. We want to run this in the same way that we know the cloud runs at its best. And so how do we optimize this? Mm -hmm. It is getting it to that next state. And then I loved what you said about just being adverse to the tactical, and you find that in a technical space a lot too, and also in accounting, I have a background in both, and it's that binary, something is either bad or good, but really what we're working on in this part of that change management is to say that to be truly agile and really maximize on the cloud, you actually have to be very disciplined. And what that means is you don't want to work on the tactical things that mean nothing. Like you said, Joe, you know, fill out a form for the sake of filling out a form. And so there's an evolution in on-prem processes to more of this real-time, agile, um, seamless, automated, but it takes a lot of discipline. And so you really have to identify what are those tactical things we should be doing to hit those strategic goals.
2: I like that. You have to be disciplined to move fast.
0: I think one
3: of the sweet things working for both of you is that I've seen that you realize that different application teams or different groups within an organization, as big as the organizations that we've worked for, are in different places. Not everyone is at that cloud maturity level that we'd want them to be. So I've been able to meet people where they're at in each of those organizations. And I think that both of you have built in places where We can meet teams that are just starting their cloud journey or are at the lowest level of that cloud maturity, but we also have teams that are running. And we have built the FinOps organization to be able to meet the needs of both of those teams. Because nationwide, we have folks that are still in the crawl space. We have folks that are in the walk space, but we also have teams that are in that run space. And Ursula set it up so that we can meet the needs of each of them and continue to iterate on it, which is beautiful.
2: That is awesome because I think my attempt at operations, because it's not that I, I don't even attempt operations. I just, I'm not well, good you do. at them. I thought it would be, I thought it would be really simple just be like, okay, everyone like Julia, you take that side of the business. Carol i was also on the team and you take that side of the business. Andrea and Matt, you take this side of the business and then go do your things. But that's just not how companies work. They may look siloed, but they're really, there's lots of interdependencies on all groups, especially as they start modernizing and transforming into this new era. It really blends a lot of the dependencies together. So how have you matured that process of what each team member is focusing on?
0: What we noticed is that there was such a focus on Producing cloudability reports and chargebacks and that initial maturity phase of FinOps. But there were these other major functions that just kept existing. And we called it the flood sometimes. They were just continually knocking on that door. And these themes started developing. And this was the first time that Julia and I worked together. And we quickly responded. We were like, you know what? It feels like we have some critical work streams. Let's define those. Let's see what those are. And they're becoming more relevant during this next phase. And what I think of them as are, they're the major functions within our cloud optimization team. Almost that makes us a product. Yes, we have that customer facing side, but what do we do that creates that system to operationalize what we do and support our consumers? And so we develop these work streams and we're a small team. So each team member leads one of those work streams while they're also facing off with our business unit or our stakeholder. And the nice thing about it is those work streams, like one is contracts and RIs and reconciliation. And, you know, are we receiving what it says we're paying for? That whole financial arm. We also have client engagement or what we call our playbook and optimization is the execution. We have core functions. That's where we put charge back. That's where we look at how our own cloud team is using the cloud. And then we have education and cloud services. So when you look at it um, from a different perspective, not our stakeholder perspective, but the perspective of the larger products and even the variable products and services in the cloud those need represented as well. So sometimes we attack it from an EC2 perspective or an RDS perspective, not just the stakeholder. And then there's a new emerging one, which is that design for cost. Can we think about this in advance and put the governance and controls and even tagging in place in a way that we can avoid things down the road? And so each of our team members leads one of those work streams and also then faces off with a stakeholder business unit, that team that they support also aligns with that work stream. So, for example, that financial arm, the person that leads that has a very strong skill set in financial reporting and also faces off with our team that happens to own our financial technology tools. And so it's a perfect synergy. And we have that in our other work streams. So the person that runs our industry standards and automation and analytics is facing off with our data team and our team that builds data models. It's so interesting because they're each a consumer of what the other does. And so it does create a nice multiplier. And when we do this, we say we're able to work as a well oil machine and really maximize what we're doing despite being a team of six or seven.
3: Yeah, and I'm going to add to that. Ursula, I will say, has a great knack for finding the strengths that each of us has and then focusing those strengths into what we call these pillars of optimization or these big rocks. I just want to give you an example. For instance, Matt on our team lives and breathes data and automation. He does scripting for fun. Definitely not my strong suit, but it's Matt's passion. So Ursula's put him in charge of industry standards and automation. And then Jay is everything technical. Mine is BSA engagement, that business unit engagement, because I love to collaborate. And I'm working with our business partners to utilize that data analysis and automation that Matt's put in place and perfected along with Jay and his technology and instructions to make them highly digestible and repeatable processes for everyone on our team. For example, right now, we have a bunch of the business units relying on old AMIs that use GP2 EBS volumes. Matt's crunched the data for us. We've put together the savings opportunities organization-wide. I'm meeting with Jay later this week to put together a self-service document for those app teams to move from GP2 to GP3 or wherever it makes sense. And it's a win-win for all of us in optimization. It's that nice synergy of all of us coming together with our own little strengths and specialties to put together that big value package for nationwide. The other nice thing about this is that a couple of us got to go to the FinOps X conference, which was fantastic. Jay and I attended that, and coming back, you know, we're armed with suggestions for each of our teammates based on their specific areas and optimization passions. So for Marianne, we've suggested anything and everything related to commitments, RI, savings plans. For Jay and Matt, it's getting back into that automation focus and joining a working group as a team Kind of come together and said listen we have this great thing available to us let's be involved and start working on those strengths and passions and get into those work groups and those channels so that we can bring it back as a team because you know to Ursula's point we are a small team for a large enterprise so it's important for each of us to stoke those passions and get involved with the FinOps Foundation and bring back the learnings then from other enterprises and other teams
2: That is really cool. How has the reception been from the application teams and other product teams that you support gone over this last year?
0: One thing that I think with a hub and spoke is setting the expectation. And so some of this repeatable operationalizing, it's all boring, but what we've done is we've said, this is what you will receive from our team. And we push that. That's what we're working on, pushing that out. Here's the information. We will provide the analysis and we're going to push it to the teams in a consistent way. So you will receive this once a month and it will tell you these things. And then ramping it up for the teams based on where they are. Some teams are still working on terminating and right sizing. Some teams are really digging into native tools and ensuring that they're using it for its fullest capabilities, then we go to that next level and we think about benchmarking and POCs for estimates. And so those are all different levels of maturity. If we can meet them where they are and provide them consistent information, that's actionable, not just a a dump of data, but here is what we're giving you. This is what it tells you. And this is the call to action. And if we don't do that call to action, we're measuring that. We're also tracking how we're accomplishing the recommendations that we're making from many different sources. And so that's that continuous improvement loop. Hey, here's how we did. You know, last month we gave you this information. This is where we are on it. And then you start collecting champions and we work with those people first. And obviously at Nationwide, we're just starting this. I've been here about four or five months and we're in that next Level of the maturity. So what I would say is that transparent, actionable data, consistent and measures of success. And I think the teams are really enjoying that immediate impact to their consumption and their bill. And when we show them that they're buying in. So we're continuing that, that buy in and bringing people along. Joe, you
3: were so excited about the COIN report. And I was like, this is simple, mm-hmm. I don't understand why you're so excited about this. But honestly, after the transition from you to Ursula, I will say that in meeting with Ursula and going over like the big rocks that we have in front of us and how are we gonna get after them? I was really overwhelmed. Cause I'm like, "It's there's too many people, too much stuff. I don't know how to get after it. And she's like, let's break it down. So we broke it down. And when we started talking about, okay, what are the repeatable processes that we can then push out to these folks that COIN report answered so many of the questions that we have and I was like no wonder Joe was so excited about this so So it finally clicked for me on how important it was.
2: Yeah. Let's describe for the listeners because COIN is an acronym it stands for
3: Cloud Optimization Index it's a score that we gave each application based on the total low-hanging fruit opportunities that are available to them and we only focused on low-hanging fruit so there's Iteration two that Ursula and I are working on to bring in even more data points, but really the focus right now is pushing that data out to the masses. So we've been, for the past year, allowing folks to ingest that information on their basis. So we haven't really pushed the data. We're now at a point where we can start pushing that data and getting folks subscribed to it, whether they want it or not, but that consistent repeatable process to put it in front of their leaders and put it in front of the APMs themselves so that they'll take action on it. And then the larger teams, so the other thing that we've started doing is with the tier one programs, those blue chip programs that impact multiple business units, we're getting engaged with them on the front end. You and I have talked about this, the white glove treatment, where you have someone from the FinOps organization along with teams as they're spinning up their resources, and starting not just their migration, but like setting up their goals and that program itself and talking about, okay, well, do you really need this size system? Because let's look at your coin score for the program. So being engaged on the front end and walking along with them, we've seen great strides in the efficiencies that we're seeing come out. And honestly that coin report is what started that is because we were able to then sit down with these teams and be like look at the spend that do you really want this much spend do you really i mean it looks like you probably need to turn some of these systems off or maybe we need to reevaluate if this is the toolbox that you want to go with and we've seen great responses to that
2: mm-hmm. i'm glad you're i'm hearing you say you're maturing and expanding that that front end, like before you start process. One thing that I, I was wrong about three years ago about cloud migrations is I thought speed was the saver. And data proved me wrong. The faster you move, the more disorganized your environment could be, which leads towards more chaos and more uncontrolled spend. Whereas a gating process, getting your process set up is painful, it's a lot of work, however, you get your control and eventually once your process is in place, iterated upon and figured out, then you have, stealing a term I learned at FinOpsX from Irving Nam, who works for Goldman Sachs, is you find your happy paths that yes, this is a happy path, it's controlled. It's governed, and you actually start moving faster through those controlled paths than you would if you just open it up op- wide open spaces, let people use whatever services, whatever sizes, whatever clouds they want, and then you have to go back after the fact and do all the cleanup and to even be able to manage that. So I'm glad to see that the coin report, which is meant as a large overview, large visibility, your environment on a page and merging it with the finer, Hey, here's what you got coming forward based on what you see and what you're learning. How are you going to move forward? I like that. That's fantastic.
0: I would add Joe, just a wrap up on that coin report is that for some people who consume data in a landing page or a quick visual, it's a good start. And for those that want to click in, we show them how to click in. But a lot of people, the overload of data from all of our cost optimization tools is too much. So it gives that starting point. And then I think if you put discipline into what I call the boring processes, that's not where you want to be innovative and let things go out of control. You build that process in and then you can do all of the great innovative fun things like developing capabilities in the cloud rather than worrying about right sizing your EC2. And then really the big shift for us is moving from a tell organization to an execute. And so that aligns up with what we're Mm. doing with the coin report, with this maturity model. We're at the point where we have to drive execution. We're bringing a lot into the cloud and we need to be efficient in those basics.
2: Yeah. So from the show and tell stage to the execution stage, I'm curious what sort of metrics, Marianne Stone on the team would help me each week and month with the metrics I was gathering. What sort of metrics are you gathering as a FinOps team now that you look at to help determine the execution? path.
0: We still use some of those reports, Joe. We always look at month over month, what's changing in our invoice, but then we dig in a little bit more. We have a product and services view, so looking at how are we using our products and services differently this month than last month, but also over the last year, and do we need to dig in further to really understand how are we using that product and service? So that's that next level of maturity then taking it down one more step and looking at it from an application perspective. So what are our applications doing in the cloud differently? And that's where we're seeing some of that large tier one program activity, modernization or building capabilities. And so we always look at month over month and behavior over year from a product service and an application perspective. Some other things that we're looking at are what we call those products and services that that feel like they can significantly jump if the controls are not in place. We have those on our watch list and it's something we're gonna actually build into automation.
2: That's really cool. Can you talk a little bit more about that? That's a really cool idea that, hey, this is our watch list. This is kind of like risky area where we don't have as much. Can you Can you talk a little bit? that's really interesting
0: yes so what i would say is and you learn this watch list from actually experiencing those gotcha moments and so when you think about settings on like a cloud trail those settings aren't set correctly or we don't watch them from an organization-wide view then you can be charged for multiple copies of your logs And first copy is free, second copy is a charge, and it can be significant. And if you don't have the settings set up properly, then with a large organization, you can inadvertently have duplicate logs occurring in your environment without knowing about it. And, you know, any of those products and services tied to logging are definitely on that watch list. But the ones that don't behave in that traditional way, and, you know, we all know, EC2, we all know storage and we're understanding RDS, but there are also some misconceptions out there about what's important when you're monitoring the RDS and what does it mean to be efficient. And so just taking all of those things into account and looking at the behavior of those products and services month over month and over the past year.
2: You're absolutely right. You definitely learn which areas are your risky points if you just live through this for, for a few months.
0: Those are high level and I'm very metrics driven, but I don't get lost in the reports. You can look at them quickly every day. You know what to go look for. Julia, from a BSA perspective, are there more metrics that you wanna add? We're setting up dashboards and we're really standardizing this. You just said it. So I do have dashboards that I review daily and that
3: helps with the gotchas. You know, you see, when you see trends month over month over month, you can see the gotchas immediately so it's important to have those dashboards and it's important to have eyes on them and i know some of the bsa leaders aren't going to have their eyes on them every day so that goes back to that hub and spoke model by having dedicated folks in our FinOps organization for each of the different business units it just aligns it it's part of our lane it's part of our everyday okay let's just take a look at maybe weekly what's happening with those standard metrics and having that picture gives us even the like i always say peeling the onion it gives you that first layer and you're like okay so maybe i need to ask some questions in my next meeting because it looks like there's a little bit of a an uptick in this particular space but i'm already having conversations because we've standardized or operationalized those reporting with that team that i now have the ability to go back to them the next time I meet with them. And maybe it's a monthly, maybe it's a weekly, depending on where they are in their maturity level. And it can ask those questions. And just having someone, it's building that trust with them. And And opening the conversation, so just being able to go to them and say, hey, listen, I saw this and I was just curious, was this planned? Is this something that we need to make, you know, just keep our eyes on? What do we need to do? And it opens that conversation. It's interesting because the first tier one program I started working on was an annuity and it started with a very small technical group. Ursula was also having conversations with the financial side of the house and realized that we were overlapping. So now that they know that I'm meeting with that technical team, we've broadened the audience. And it's interesting to get that both the finance side, because obviously there's finance considerations, but then the technical team has different requirements. So nice to bring them all together and have that conversation with me as the conduit to. Get everyone on the same page and make sure that a their forecast is looking the way that finance was expecting it to look, so that you know budgets are being met and their actuals aren't overrunning, so that we can put maybe that money towards other technologies or innovations that they want to do as part of the program.
2: I was I was going to ask if uh, if you're finding different teams have different concerns and worries from metrics point, or are they all about the same?
3: I think it depends on where they are in their maturity level. So there are teams that are just mm getting a feeling for what is their cloud meaning they know they have applications they know they have a footprint but maybe they don't know that they have a footprint in containers and in the aws stack that they own so just getting them visibility into that that's their metric then there's teams that they know but they're They have containers, they know how they're using their containers, but maybe they don't know that they can schedule their containers. So it's just a matter of honestly meeting them where they're at, building that trust level and just continuing to iterate on it. Because I think even just in meeting those folks that maybe don't know their inventory, opening their eyes to it and helping them understand how the process works. It builds that trust and then they're ready to for the next step, which is, you know, maybe right sizing or scheduling or, hey, did you know that we have these automation things in place and here's how you take advantage of them and let's get you to the next level.
2: Julia, you've worked for both Ursula and myself numerous times. Who's the best manager you ever had?
3: (laughs) So Ursula Levesque is my current and therefore favorite boss. (laughs) but in all honesty, you guys are my favorites for different reasons. So Joe, we've talked about it earlier. You know, you have like this broad sweeping strokes that you took and you allowed me to tackle any problem I wanted to. When I found something, you'd say, go solve it. I trust you. The unfortunate thing is with my personality, I want to fix everything. (laughs) And I go down so (laughs) many rabbit holes. So Ursula helps bring me up a little bit further and says, let me help do a laser focus and helps rein in those. What about this? And bases it on our enterprise strategies. You've heard the saying, people don't quit their jobs, they quit bad managers. And I think it says something that I haven't quit on either one of you. And I've actually followed you to multiple places. So rest assured, Joe Daly, you are still the world's okayest boss. You really want me to say who my favorite (laughs) is, don't you? You want me to say, Joe Daly, you're my favorite. Oh,
2: I'm really (laughs) good at I'm really good at pushing you out there and then walking away. And Ursula's good at supporting you. Yes, very much so. All the other places. And Ursula, how are you feeling about all this, choosing FinOps as a career choice for the second time?
0: So I never think of FinOps as a career path. I think of it as my next problem to solve. And so when this opportunity came up, I thought, do I want to solve this problem? I've solved this problem. Is this a good stop on my journey? And it was compelling enough and interesting enough, and I felt like there were still things to go after, so I did. And how I'm feeling is I am I am excited and energized because I realize there's still so much more to solve. And just like when we talk about the maturity models and where people are with the cloud and what's coming. Technology is changing so much and everybody's in a different spot with their cloud journey. I like to give people that view because it seems so new. It doesn't seem like anybody has blazed that career trail forward. But if you think about it, the skill set required that's finance, data, and technology, not to mention problem solving and innovation while also being structured. Um, strategic, solutions-driven, but it aligns best with what I think the leaders of the future are. And so when you think about CIO and CFO and CEO, that CIO is that merging between finance and technology, just like FinOps. And those leaders have to navigate a world where these areas, finance, data, technology, are all overlapping very similar to what we do in FinOps every day. We are doing expense management while also helping teams and supporting teams build capabilities that build great products and build revenue. I don't know what that means for me, but I think there is a path. Maybe some people haven't taken it yet, but I think about your path. I think about the path of the future leader. I think about where these conversations come up in a very strategic way. And I think there's lots of opportunity moving forward.
2: All right. That is it for this episode of FinOpsPod. I want to thank Ursula Levesque and Julia Harvey for one, continuing to talk to me after all this, and two, being open and willing to sharing their experiences and learnings with all of you listeners out there. Also thank you to Stacy case for helping kick off the episode today. This episode felt a little rusty as we are getting back from summer vacation modes, but it feels good to be getting back into the groove of things. If you are not yet a member of FinOps foundation, go check us out on finops.org hit the join now button. Follow us on LinkedIn. Go find FinOps foundation on LinkedIn. Give it a follow. Uh, of course, FinOps pod. Wherever you're listening to this episode of Pod, make sure you're following uh, the show so that you always get updated on all of our episodes. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube page. I'll put a link in the show notes. We got recordings of all our past FinOps summits and breakout sessions from X. Lots of great materials there. Check out the resources, folks. We're open source. This is all your content and we're helping share it. Until then, I'll see you next time on FinOpsPod.